Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Now I'm reading from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 14. If you have a Bible, then please do follow along with me. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit who received does not make you slaves, so that you may live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your redemption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. A few weeks into lockdown, someone said to me, I feel I've been robbed of so much. This was someone who had so much to look forward to in the next few months. Several exciting trips abroad and the beginning of life at uni. But the coronavirus meant that the trips abroad were cancelled and the beginning of student life was not going to resemble anything like the start of university life that they'd always imagined. Now, that sense of being robbed has been felt by many people during this time. Couples have had wedding plans completely wiped out. Thriving businesses have been plunged into administration. And most desperately of all, lives have been lost. People have been robbed of precious loved ones. Many people have been robbed by this pandemic. But while we feel it acutely at this time, that feeling of being robbed of our hopes and dreams is not unique to a world pandemic. It's a harsh fact of life. One way or another, hopes and dreams are always being snatched away from us by the circumstances of life. We may grow up with a long-held ambition, but then we don't make the grades or we, get the break, or we don't get the breaks that we have or the talent. Even if we do get the uni place or the dream job or find the love of our life, as time goes on, the reality is never as good as the dream. It's why so many people have a midlife crisis. Midlife is that point when you realise that you'll, you'll never get everything you longed for or you've got it and you realise it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. And then even for the handful of people who are totally content with the way life has turned out, redundancy comes along and robs us of everything we were enjoying. Retirement catches up with us and robs us of our status and that feeling of being needed. Or the ultimate problem comes, death hits and robs us of everything. Yes, we felt it acutely in these unprecedented months, but on the other hand, when it comes to our having our hopes dashed, what we felt in these last months is just a concentrated dose of how it's always been. And so these words in Romans chapter 8, verse 17 are deeply comforting. Paul writes, Now if we are children of God, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. As children of God, we have a a certain glorious inheritance. Here is the promise of something to come that will never disappoint us, something that will will fulfill us, something that we, we were made for, something we can never be robbed of. We have a glorious inheritance to come, and it's greater than anything this world could ever deliver. And verse 17 tells us, if we are God's children, then we are heirs of this inheritance. Now, please, the the if here is not written to make us doubt or question our future inheritance. It's here to reassure us because everything we've read in the previous verses was written to reassure real Christians that we are children of God. If we are God's adopted children, then we are heirs. 
Two weeks ago, my colleague Pete Scammon helped us to think about the battle that is going on in every Christian, the battle between the flesh, that is, all of us in our natural rebellious state, rebelling against God, the battle between the flesh and the Spirit, that is, the Holy Spirit, who is given to all real Christians. And if we're engaged in that battle, then it is a reassurance that the Holy Spirit is living in us and that we are God's children. Let me tell you about Neil. I met him 30 years ago. He came to a Christian Inquirer's course, a sort of Christianity Explored course before Christianity Explored existed. As he turned up on week one, he said to the group, I have no idea why I'm here. I don't believe any of this. On week two, he asked tons of questions. On week three, he said, this is amazing. This is so true to my experience. At the end of week four, he declared, I've become a Christian. And he was full of joy and excitement. And then on week five of the course, he sat through the whole evening looking glum and, and downcast. He didn't say a word for the entire time. At the end of the meeting, as everyone left, I said to him, Neil, are you okay? No, he said, I've blown it. What do you mean you've blown it? Neil was a, a successful businessman in the city of London, and he often went on trips abroad for his work. And between week four and week five of the course, he'd gone on a trip to Amsterdam, and he told me that one evening he and his work colleagues went out for a night on the town and they all got completely drunk. And he said to me, so I've blown it. I'm supposed to be a Christian now and I, I know I shouldn't get drunk. And I said to him, Neil, is getting drunk on a business trip an unusual occurrence for you? No, he said, it's part of the culture, it's part of the trip. But I know I shouldn't do it anymore. And I said to him, Neil, think back six weeks. Six weeks ago, if you went on a business trip and you got drunk, how would you have felt the next morning? Well, he said, I'd have had a headache, but apart from that, I, I wouldn't have given it another thought. And I said to him, can you see the difference? The fact that you're so eaten up by what you've done is a great sign that the Holy Spirit is living in you. So I said to him, yes, it's not great that you got drunk last week, but seeing you so bothered by it, is a terrific sign that God has his hand on you. So I said to Neil, ask God now to give you the strength not to get drunk next time you go on a business trip. And remember how you feel now so that you won't do it again. And Neil did change, and he went on to become a fine Christian man. That's Romans 8 and verse 13. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Battling against the flesh, as Paul puts it, and changing by the power of the Spirit is a terrific sign that the Holy Spirit is in us. And the Holy Spirit in us is proof that we are God's children, as it says in verse 14. That's what we saw two weeks ago. And then last week, my colleague Chris Tufnell showed us how the Holy Spirit assures us that we are God's children, as we not only grieve over our sin and want to change, but as we rely on Jesus' death and cry out to God for mercy, calling him Father. If you know God as Father, through the death of Jesus the Son, and then through the work of the Holy Spirit, call out to God as Father, then you are a child of God. And so, verse 17 is bringing all that together. If we are children, then we are heirs. Isn't that wonderful? As children of God, we can be absolutely certain of a glorious future inheritance. Everyone in our family, in the generation above my generation, has died. My parents have died. My wife's parents have died. All our parents' siblings have died. And so over the years, when they've died, we've inherited their stuff. Being their children, we've inherited what they left. Now, that isn't unusual in our culture, but it's not guaranteed. My parents could have written me out of their will and left everything to my brother, but they didn't. 
But here's the thing. In Roman society, and remember, this letter is written to the Christians in Rome. In Roman society, children would always inherit. They couldn't be written out of the will. And I'm told that even adopted children were legally on an equal footing with natural children in every respect, including inheritance. So these words in verse 17 have no doubt attached to them. If you are one of God's children, if you are an adopted child of God, you are an heir. You will inherit. And what we'll inherit is spelled out for us in the next part of the verse. And it's astonishing. Verse 17. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. There are two things here. First, we are heirs of God. This is the, the greatest inheritance, if I can put it this way. We will get God himself. I was so helped by Chris's sermon last week, and not least of all, this quote. Talking of prayer, Chris said, the greatest treasure of Christian prayer isn't getting stuff from the Father, it's getting the Father. What is true in prayer is true when it comes to our inheritance. The greatest treasure of Christian inheritance is not getting stuff from our Heavenly Father, but getting our Father himself. That's verse 17. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God. We get God. From time to time, there are stories in the news about very poor people marrying very wealthy people. A commoner marries royalty. A working-class girl marries a rich aristocrat. A a, a nobody marries a film star, a sports star, or a rock star. And when that happens, the gutter press might call them gold diggers and cast aspersions on their motives, especially if the rich person is getting on and the poor person is young and has their whole life ahead of them. Just imagine an attractive but very poor girl in her 20s marrying a bloke who is loaded but 30 years older than her. And imagine you could have dinner with the girl on the eve before her wedding. And as you sat and ate dinner, the young woman spoke about how excited she was about getting the swimming pool and the exotic holidays and the luxury yacht and gourmet food and first-class travel and financial security and a huge house and the Ferrari and... Well, if that's all she spoke about, you'd have good reason to be worried about her motive for her marriage. If she really loved him, she'd speak about how happy he made her and how she loved his sense of humour and his kindness and and his gentleness and his humility and, and how he helps the disadvantaged and how she loves just being in his presence and how the best times have been those times when, well, when they've just sat together and talked and talked about everything and nothing and And how thrilled she was to be starting a new life with him. Well, that is precisely what you'd expect a Christian to be excited about. Not just inheriting all the things that God can give us, but about getting God, our Father, about, verse 17, being heirs of God. About finally and fully being in an unbroken relationship with God when you can walk with him and be with him and enjoy him forever. Because simply being with him is delightful. That's the greatest aspect of our inheritance. Verse 17, we're heirs of God. But second in verse 17, we are co-heirs with Christ. It's a staggering thought. Christians will inherit everything that Jesus inherits. Jesus, God's one and only son, will inherit everything that God the Father owns. And God the Father owns everything. So Jesus gets everything. And amazingly, so will we. As adopted children, we too will get everything. The preacher and author David Cooks writes this. This inheritance will not be split 50-50. You know, 50% given to Jesus and 50% given to the rest of us. No, David Cook explains, being a co-heir means that everything that is Christ is ours. So it's not 50-50, but 100-100. We get everything. And knowing that and being sure of that changes everything. 
It means that I don't have to try and get everything now. You know, so much of life in the West in the 21st century is an endless pursuit of acquisition, acquiring stuff like real estate and cars and soft furnishings, or acquiring experiences through holidays and adventures and leisure, or acquiring status through exams and careers and sport, or acquiring love through relationships. And often that endless pursuit of those things comes from a desire to discover what life is all about. But desperately, even when we acquire them, we can be robbed of them. And so how wonderful to think that one day we'll get everything. We are co-heirs with Christ. We don't have to give ourselves to a life of world travel because one day we'll inherit it all in the new creation. It'll all be ours and we'll have all eternity to explore it. And when I have that assurance, I can throw my lot into following Jesus now. I don't need to be deflected in my Christian commitment by investing in all sorts of other things through a fear of missing out, because I won't miss out. One day I'll have it all. And I need to be sure of that because of the last thing here in verse 17. He says, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Suffering is the root to this glorious inheritance. The way we receive our inheritance follows the same pattern as Jesus. Jesus was given the crown of glory through the cross. The crown came via the cross. For us, glory will come via present suffering. The Bible commentator Anders Nygren explains that in these verses, we're described as heirs with him, that we'll be glorified with him. And he says that as heirs with him and those who'll be glorified with him, we must also suffer with him. The glory of our future inheritance comes to us through suffering, just as it came to Christ through his suffering. Suffering is not a strange and unusual experience in the Christian life. It is the Christian life, and that is so helpful to know, because when we suffer and feel as if we've been robbed, we can easily begin to wonder if we've done something wrong, if God is not pleased with us. And so when we suffer, we can soon question whether following Jesus is worth it. In times of hardship and and when you're tempted to ask yourself, am I doing something wrong? Why am I suffering like this? Has God abandoned me? Remember that suffering for a Christian is normal. Jesus suffered on his way to glory. You and I will suffer on our way to glory too. And when you suffer and you're left wondering, is it worth it? Remember that as children of God, you're an heir of God and co-heir with Christ. How we need to know that and be sure of that as our hopes and da- are being dashed through the worldwide spread of the coronavirus. And so much that we live for is being taken from us. We're being robbed of holidays and jobs and health and finances and relationships. Life is being disrupted and for some life itself is being snatched away. In our most optimistic moments we might imagine a day when things will return to normal For those who are pessimists, you'll be working hard to ensure that your worst nightmares don't lead you into a very dark place. But whether we're glass half full or glass half empty types, Christian realism tells us that whatever happens in the current pandemic, this life will never deliver. We live in a fallen and broken world. And this current crisis is just a more concentrated experience of the way that life will always disappoint But this promise paints a very different picture. And it's a picture that is a wonderful sight for sore eyes. It's a picture of a glorious future of living in a wonderful world where we'll no longer struggle with sin, where there'll be no more coronavirus, where the world will be perfect and never ruined, where our bodies will never go wrong or even grow old. 
Christian, you are a child of God. And as a child of God, you are an heir of God. One day you'll be with him, enjoying him forever. And you are a co-heir with Christ. You're going to inherit everything. You need have no fear of missing out. So rejoice in what is to come and give yourself fully to living for Jesus. And if you're not yet a Christian, thanks for joining us today. Let me encourage you to reflect on how this world always disappoints and how being a Christian is the only way you'll ever get everything that you were made for. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you very much for this glorious inheritance that is ours to come because of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, because you have made us your children. We thank you for that inheritance to come. We pray you'd help us in this world where so often we're robbed of the things uh, that we so look forward to. We pray you'd help us rather to fix our eyes on that inheritance to come and to live for you knowing that it is certain and secure. And we ask this in Jesus' name.